residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. All right, so we're back for the first episode of the season, barring the preview podcast of the Hunger for Hannibal podcast. And boy, I know that I've been waiting for this day for quite a while, meaning, of course, last night. This is an absolutely fantastic day to be a Hannibal fan. Last night, we were treated to a fantastic premiere. Now, I know there's some people that might have some complaints. There are uh, questions that we didn't get answered. But there are also answers to questions that we might have had from as far back as early in season one. So this um, this season, based on what I've read, the little bit that I've read from the people that have managed to see the first three episodes, the word that I've been hearing is this is possibly the best season of Hannibal so far. Now, obviously, we're going to have to wait around and see if that's actually the truth. You know, it, it, we're not sure. But all I know is the powers that be, Brian Fuller, uh, Steve Lightfoot, all the writers, they are fantastic craftsmen. And we were treated to an amazing premiere last night, like I said. It's something we've been waiting for for a year and a half. And we shouldn't have been disappointed, and we weren't disappointed. At least I wasn't disappointed. So before I get into doing any kind of reviewing of the episode, let me first kind of give you an update of what's going on with me. So at the end of last season, uh, for anybody that managed to get through in the, the season and had to wait around, unfortunately, for the finale podcast. Um, first off, I'm going to apologize because it took a long time to get that that podcast episode out. Uh, there were some scheduling conflicts with getting some people that um, were supposed to be on the podcast. Uh, things just got shuffled around a lot, and it was quite a while. I think it was something like three weeks or so before I could actually get the the podcast recorded and we could get it out to you, the listeners. But since then, I, of course, was waiting, you know, with bated breath, like everyone else, as you might have, if you listen to the, the preview, season preview podcast, I, like everyone else, was waiting until February because I assumed that Hannibal will be back then. Well, it came around to that point, and there was no Hannibal. Obviously, it turned out that they pushed it back. And the reason why, of course, is because it takes a lot to get this show to be what it is. You know, the I'm not talking about the actors and the director and all that stuff and all the uh, behind-the-scenes uh, set design and all that. That takes a long time, but the effects, the special effects, all of that, it takes a lot to get this show to be what we see every week. And they just felt that they needed an extra six months so that they could actually do it justice. It 
apparently from what I'd read from an interview with Brian Fuller, he said that the first two seasons they were getting episodes done by like like just the barest of margins because that's all they had to work with. Uh, they weren't allowing themselves time to really do the things they needed to do. They were always like rushing at the, to finish up these, these episodes at the last second to get the uh, post-production work done at the last second. And it just, it was exhausting for the writers, for the producers, for the actors, for everybody involved. It was just rush, 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 rush. And it took forever. So obviously I couldn't get back to doing the podcast like I wanted to as soon as I wanted to. And I was ready to go. I, I was going to do season one review, uh, rewatch podcast episodes, but I got a second job. Um, I did get an episode out there with Gareth Watkins uh, for people that have listened to the um, Dissecting Dexter podcast over the years. Uh, he's an excellent podcaster, uh, a great friend that I have who, uh, very intelligent, always comes ready. And we managed to throw out this really fun podcast episode. If you haven't listened to it, it is uh, Dexter versus Hannibal. And we kind of compare the first uh, couple of seasons of Dexter to the first couple of seasons of Hannibal and try to see what we think the strengths and weaknesses were of the shows on, on both sides. Um, which one do we favor more? Uh, who would win in a fight between Hannibal and Dexter? I mean, you know, that part is, you know, played for fun, but it was a really excellent podcast because you're taking two shows that really are at the top of the, you know, serial killer shows out there. And these are the two of the highest quality shows. Even if you felt that, that Dexter fell several, at least several notches in, in quality, this last couple of seasons, there's no denying its first four seasons, maybe five, if you if you want to count five, of uh, considerable quality. So, yeah, we didn't get I didn't get as much content out there as I would have liked ultimately uh, between the end of last season and and really the beginning of this season. But I got a second job. I was really really busy uh, doing that. I I was helping out with my family business and. Um, yeah, it just it just kind of, you know, took a lot of time out of my free time. And so now I'm back and, you know, obviously ready to kick out an episode, you know, every week of the show. And I plan on, you know, continuing to do more, more in the off season than I've been doing. So uh, plan on uh, season one rewatch podcast episodes once the season's over, I'm probably going to take a few weeks off uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll probably start kicking out an episode every few weeks. So hopefully if I time it right, by the time Hannibal comes back, you know, hopefully a year later, we will be able to to be sync it up kind of right when the show comes back. I'll be finishing up the final episode of season one. So... Anyway, sorry for this long intro here. I'm not, I didn't mean to kind of get into a big long intro, but it's been a while. You know, if you haven't, you know, listened to the preview podcast, uh, it's probably been, what, almost, well, a year at least since 
since you've heard me do a, a podcast episode. So anyway, that's pretty much been what I've been been doing. I've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, I have a lot of hobbies uh, outside of podcasting. Uh, for anybody who's listened before, uh, I do I do artwork. I do uh, a lot of writing. I, I'm working on a series of novels. So, you know, couple that with uh, I like to play a lot of tennis. When in my in my spare time, uh, I have a lot of hobbies. My my wife always tells me that I have too many hobbies, which is probably true. It's probably true that I do. <laughs> I probably got to cut one or two out, but I really don't want to. I, I I enjoy trying new things, and sometimes when I try new things, I actually find that I really like it. So that becomes a problem. So anyway, I, I digress. Kind of move off of this whole, you know, rant that I've gone on here about my personal life in the last uh, year or so. But suffice to say, I'm back. Uh, the only blip in this whole uh, podcast thing coming up here is uh, not next week, but the week after. I believe I will not have an episode out. I don't believe I will. I, I'm looking to see if there's a possibility. I'm going to see if I can maybe line somebody up to do fill in for me. If I cannot find someone to fill in for me and do an episode um, of the podcast, I'm just going to have to skip a week and I'll probably try to have a dull episode review or something of the sort when I come back and do the next episode after that. So I think it's episode three that I won't be able to uh, be here I'll be on vacation I'm going away for for a week so I just won't be able to, to do the podcast but I will be here for this week of course obviously I'm doing the podcast and next week and hopefully if a, I don't foresee any reason why I shouldn't be able to get every single episode of the show um, out after you know I do I'm away for for one week so this episode premiere a lot of questions was there any answers? Will we get answers? Uh, where's Will Graham? Who's dead? Is Abigail dead? Is Will dead? How about uh, Alana? Jack? You know, when we left last last week, or not last week, last season, there were a lot of questions. It was probably one of the two or three best season finales that I've ever seen. Ever. And there was just a lot of information that we had to sort through. And there's a lot of talk in the offseason. What was the show going to be like? Now, if you haven't read the novels, then you know that there could be multiple directions the show could go in. If you've read the novels, you still know that there are multiple directions the show could go in because even though they adapt the source material they take a lot of liberties on this show. So it's not just like, okay, well, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's not going to, it's not like the first, you know, few seasons of Game of Thrones where if you read the books, you were pretty sure you knew exactly where the show was going. In this case, they kind of used it as an outline, but even then, that's kind of negotiable. So opening up this, this episode, it was just. It was fantastic. It really was. I thought that this episode was – it didn't have the kind of, oh my god, did you just see that moment that 
people kind of equate with great shows. And that's not always necessary. You don't have to have that that um, season finale moment where there's four or five people laying in a pool of blood kind of moment all the time to make a great TV show. Okay? Subtle uh, writing, excellent acting, uh, weaving themes and character and plot all together simultaneously. That's what gets you great TV. And the, the premiere episode, I think, was phenomenal because they they knew that they sh- they shouldn't try to overextend themselves and try to answer everybody's questions and try to do too much that's a mistake a lot of writers make that i think in a lot of shows where they feel the pressure like they need to answer all these questions especially after a season finale like last year not necessary open up the show give us a solid premiere you, you know this is in a lot of ways this premiere episode of season three was kind of the show rebooting itself okay yes if you want to know what's going on you probably had to have watched the first two seasons but this was a reboot this is like another probably another two season uh long story arc that we're going to be witnessing okay It, it feels to me at least i feel like the first two seasons i think were definitely its own two-season story arc for the characters. I feel like we're going to be treated to another two-season story arc, and then the final two seasons is going to be kind of the same thing. And I think that's really, really smart because it gives you 20 episodes. Or no, 26 episodes, sorry. 26 episodes total to to do this whole story, story arc and split it up into two seasons. And I think they're well on their way if the first episode is any indication of the quality that we're going to be seeing this season. And I, for one, I can't, I can't wait to see how this plays out because I think we're going to be treated to maybe the finest season of Hannibal that we've seen so far. And if that ends up being the case, it is going to be a pleasure to watch it. And it's going to be a pleasure to sit here in my room you know, doing a podcast and telling you guys my thoughts and my opinions on the show. So anyway, before I, I um, go into another tangent and, you know, waste another five minutes of your time, uh, this is pretty much the end of my my intro. <laughs> Don't worry. Most of my intros probably aren't more than three, four, five minutes long, but I've been gone so long, I kind of just wanted to ramble on a bit. Um, or as Gareth is so fond of the waffle at the beginning of a podcast. So that's it. No more waffling. We're going to go right into the review of season three and episode one of the podcast. And this is the review of Antipasto. Here we go. You're listening to the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. Okay, so we are here for the review portion of the podcast. And I was going to sit down and do my normal, you know, review, record, you know, recap all the events and give my thoughts and opinions, as I usually do. I actually sat down this morning and I did the final word segment already recorded in the can and I did the intro 
And I do that a lot because they're a lot easier segments for me to record and kind of get thrown into the podcast and then I can sit down and kind of tackle the review because it takes me the longest. However, uh, I had some things to do today so I wasn't going to get around to recording the review portion until, you know, later on uh, in the day and Sarah from British Columbia actually said, hey, I'm free, why don't you sit and, you know, talk to me about it. So, here's Sarah. And Hello, everybody. Yeah, so she's she's going to sit with me, and we're going to kind of basically do a continuation of what we did with the season preview podcast just a few days ago. I, I can tell you it's a lot more exciting when I have uh, people to bounce my ideas off of instead of the walls around me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this is going to be a lot of fun, everyone. So, um we're going to jump right into into the review. And so I'm going to give kind of a bit of a, a warning here as to how we're going to do this because it's going to make this a lot easier. So if you followed the show, obviously if you're listening to this, you've watched it, you can tell that there were multiple storylines that ran through the entire episode. Uh, actually, there were five. Five total storylines, five total timelines, I mean, and that ran through the show. So what we're going to do to make things easier, rather than kind of follow scene by scene chronologically throughout the episode, uh, that would mean we'd be constantly jumping back and forth, uh, you know, from this timeline to this timeline to present to recent past to a flashback. It would be confusing, I think, uh, on the whole. So what we've decided to do is we're going to tackle each timeline and we're going to start from the furthest, the past the furthest timeline in the past, and we're going to work our way up to the present. And that's going to make it a little easier to tackle for everybody, for you, for me, for Sarah. (laughs) Yes. All right, so what we're going to do is start out with the timeline furthest in the past, and that would be Bedelia and her patient. Now, if you've been watching Hannibal since season one, this has been alluded to Many times. This is the incident that forced Bedelia to stop being a therapist. It's where um, a patient attacked her, that patient was killed, and since then she hasn't taken on any new clientele, with the exception of Hannibal. Uh, and you can kind of feel like that's something that he's been holding over her for a long time. It kind of forces her hand into. Um, letting him come into her home uh, and, you know, talk about his problems, which in a way is kind of ludicrous because this is Hannibal, but, you know. He's only got problems. I suppose that's true, but I would think this guy would care about literally nothing, but (laughs) I digress. Okay, so... uh, If if you're watching this episode and you kind of hit that that portion of the the episode, it's kind of crazy. Uh, we see Bedelia, um, she's shaking, uh, there you can see blood on her face, and there's a body next to her, and the, the camera kind of has this thing where it kind of goes back in time, and you can see her, her hand down into the throat yeah. of the patient. That really freaked me because I didn't know what she was doing, and then, like, did she... 
I don't know if I don't know if you caught what she was doing, but did she take his tongue out or is she pushing it back into back down his throat? I think she pushes it back down his throat. At least that's the what I got out of it. I, I almost want to say like it felt like she killed him and then pushed his tongue down his throat somehow to make it look like he choked on his own tongue. I don't know. I am not really entirely sure myself. I even went back and looked at it, and I, even on second viewing, it just. I don't know. I have. I, I. It just. All we know is he's dead. And yeah. I, but I feel like we're going to get more illumination probably in the next episode, anyways, to exactly how that went down. So we may be playing with more timelines. Um. So obviously that happens, and then Lecter appears. You, now she obviously called him and said, basically, Lecter, Hannibal, I need your help, and he came. Do you think he, she called him, or do you think he was just there for his own appointment and kind of walked into it? Well, you know what? Actually, that sounds really good. I didn't actually give – I didn't think about that. But you know what? you probably correct on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he came into his appointment. Of course, he looked so surprised. <laughs> um, and, gee, I wonder why when uh, – there's a pretty good chance he manipulated it all from the start. Don't you agree? Oh, you do what I want you to do. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like we haven't seen this before, right? Deja vu. Yes, it's only been happening quite a bit. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so she comes in, or he comes in, you know, and they exchange a few words, and it just, it's a scene that kind of gives us an answer uh, as to what happened all those years ago. You know, I mean, this is obviously a very traumatic moment in her life. It, it, whether it forced her to confront an aspect of her nature that she maybe didn't before on purpose or what, uh, was this a way of Lecter kind of forcing her to see it, to let it out one time and maybe let, in letting it out once, maybe it is something that he thought maybe could flourish? Yeah, something like like what he saw in Will he might have also seen in her. And I like that he manipulated her, not to asking him for help, but telling her to ask him for help. Yes. That she doesn't do it herself. He puts that in her mind. You can ask me for help. Yes. And and in asking for help, it obviously comes with strings attached. <laughs> yep, comes with a price. Because if you remember, uh, it really parallels Abigail. Whenever uh, she killed, I, I can't think of his name right now in the first season, but um, yeah, not a clue. <laughs> I, yeah, but you know, every, well, everyone that is listening to this remembers, you know, she killed that guy, and of course Hannibal was there and was like, you know, if you need help, just have to ask. And of course she asked, and well, it didn't go well for her either. So, Doesn't seem to go well for anybody. <laughs> it, well, you know, what does go well when you're not <laughs> Hannibal? Not much ever. Yeah. Ever. You're just a figment of his amusement. That, yeah, exactly. That's about <laughs> as perfect as you can put it. Uh, okay, so let's kind of move on from there, and we kind of move up the timeline a little bit, and this is the uh, Abel Gideon flashbacks, which appeared in black and white in the episode. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice for uh, that kind of monochrome look. Um Really gave Lecter, uh, uh, if anything, made him look actually a lot more evil. 
uh, if that's possible. It really gave him a really washed out his face, the look um, for his skin and everything, and it just yeah, he looked even creepier than he does in color. Yeah, and everything was just kind of in a shade of darkness, and definitely brings that horror element into all of that when it's. Oh, I mean, he's chopping off limbs and feeding them to him. Like, <laughs> it's just as, about as grotesque as you can get. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting there. I mean, what, what, what? I don't know that I've ever seen a more disturbing scene in this entire show, which is included, which is included, you know, birds coming out of what was it? A horse and women and a or, horse. Oh, yeah, and then a woman and a horse. I mean, you know, it's just there's some really, really creepy scenes in this entire show and the fact that the creepiest of them is two guys sitting there having a conversation very sophisticated conversation while they're both eating the man's leg yeah or arm or arm you know (laughs) can't forget the snails oh that creeped me right out yeah well you know apparently they make it taste better (laughs) i don't think so just like uh Give it a nice coat of slime to soak yeah. the juices in. Well, trust yeah. me, I've never been one to try escargot, and I'm certainly not doing it after this show. <laughs> There's lots of things that Hannibal cooks that look delicious, but when I know there have been snails on it, it's not one of them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's been a few moments uh, in the past where I've actually thought, you know, human flesh doesn't look quite so bad. But <laughs> this is not a moment for that, no. No. <laughs> Uh, I do. I did like the uh, what was that line that uh, that Gideon gave about you? You cooked me in time. Yeah. Oh, oh no 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 you no that's right. What is it? You uh, you smoked me in time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's times all he has left. Yes, exactly. Thank you, thank you for that, Gideon. Um, I felt really bad for the guy. I mean, you're, he's sitting there and he's you know, he's dying. He's eating himself. You know, he's actually not putting up much of a fuss, all that, which he even commented on. He's surprised at how little he seemed to care that this was all going on. But I just, I really did. I felt really bad for the guy because even though he's done some terrible things um, to be in prison and everything, I would never put someone through this kind of act, you know? I yeah. Really, it's just, it, it's terrible, but. They had some really interesting conversations, though, uh, where they talked about, well, first of all, Gideon talked about, you know, cannibalism and how it used to be very common, and and Lecter commented that he considers a cannibalism only if uh, if he and the other person are equals, which, yeah. you know, obviously what he's saying is, is you're not my equal. You're lesser than me. Yes, and Will Graham basically is the only person I consider an equal. Well, yeah. maybe Bedelia, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, <laughs> He's feeding her oysters. That's that's true. Yeah, let's just kind of put that one on hold. I will, yeah. <laughs> I'll save that comment for when we come up to it. Yeah. Um, I did like the the last. I think the last comment that Gideon made um, towards Lecter, which I thought was really nice, and you almost could see a glint of fear in Lecter's eyes, just for. A fraction of a second, it looked like when he said, asked Lecter if he wondered what it would be like when it, his time came, when this was going to happen to him. And 
there was a pause, and you can almost see Lecter kind of cock his head slightly, like he was deigning to give it just a second's thought, and you almost felt like there was just a momentary bit of trepidation there. Yeah, like that's the first time that his own mortality has ever come into question in his mind. Like if he died then and there, he wouldn't be able to finish the business he has to finish with Will and Jack and Alana. Yeah, but I think I think it's the fact that I don't think anybody's ever ever had the guts to ask him that question <laughs> because he's never obviously he's never thought it. I mean, yeah, he's always his own safety and his own um, life has always been his of utmost importance to him. Obviously, but it's just the context of I'm not going to get caught and you know this. Is, it's but it, the idea of truly being captured of his life maybe even ending in some way um, has just I don't think it's ever really entered his mind in a way that's been substantial yeah. and Gideon was you know, I mean the guy's dying This is he's what got hours to live maybe a few <laughs> days it's like what, what, the heck, what the hell is he going to lose to ask that question yeah you know, throw Lecter, the cards down yeah if Lecter just kills him right there it'd probably be a relief mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I like that question. It was it was one I think that Lecter certainly wasn't expecting. Yeah, it caught him off guard. Okay, so um, is there anything you'd like to add to that, or do you, do you just want to move on to keep going? No, you covered it all. Okay. All right, so from there, uh, we are going to move up into the timeline, and now this is just after the events of last season. Uh Will, Alana, Jack, everybody's laying essentially in a pool of their own blood. And so this is, I would say, maybe an hour or so after the events, if I were to estimate. And it's Bedelia uh, comes back to her flat, and Lecter is in the shower. <laughs> yep. And, yep, he, so he comes out of the shower... He's, you know, wrapped a, towel, a, towel, a, towel, a towel around himself, and there's Bedelia sitting on the bed, gun-cocked, with a glass of bourbon in her hand. Yeah, some kind of alcohol. Yeah, some kind of alcohol. And um, what are your thoughts on this scene? What, were, what, was, what, what went through your mind when you watched it? It's the first parallel that I noticed, um, I immediately thought of Alana when she had the gun on Hannibal, how she could pull the trigger, but Bedelia couldn't. Yes, that's actually a very, I like that. That's a very good um, observation there. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, there's definitely some chemistry there. Um, I think she just kind of made the decision there. I, I thought there'd be a bit more discussion on, you know, going off to Europe, but I didn't think it'd be that simple. Like, what did you think would happen if, when they met up? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's possible we just didn't get to see everything. It, it may, we may end up seeing more of their conversation at some point, but, uh, you know, I, I want to get 
into a little more of the discussion about Pedelia, I think once we wrap up our, our general recap of the events, because um, I was talking to Travis about this earlier today, and I posed a couple questions to him. So I, I think I'll, I'll maybe pose them to you as well. <laughs> so we'll, we'll kind of get to that. But it, when I saw the scene, I was, I was also struck by the chemistry as well. Um, there was a moment where you could tell that he, she kind of <clears throat> looked down. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he moves the towel. She looks down. <laughs> yeah. So, I was um, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of those momentary things, and maybe it's just like an unconscious thing, but I thought, okay. Well, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, not to jump ahead or anything, but, you know, later on, and then in another time that we get to present, I, I don't feel like they are sleeping together. No. <laughs> Obviously, but we'll get to we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, I just I, I thought that it was interesting. She comes back to her flat. Obviously, when she gets there, I, I don't think she I don't believe she thought that Hannibal would be there. No, I definitely think uh, she did not expect it. She expected just to, you know be able to spend the night there and. Move on. Yeah, recover. Which which also leads me to, to ask you a question then. If you come into your flat and somebody's there, first of all, I'm leaving. Because um, it could be anybody. Especially when you have friends like Hannibal. Yes. And second of all, I'm probably guessing it could be Hannibal. And again, I'm leaving. So um, that's kind of a, a question that I have. Why did she even... Why? I mean, I mean, I have, like, I have my theory. I have theories. But it, it, without them in at all, why do you stay there? You know. Well, I think her initial reaction was maybe I can catch him off guard. I can end this here and now. But she allowed him to talk, and he's a smooth talker. And maybe she felt maybe not sorry for him, but something that. He did just end his relationship with Will Graham. I can't kill you. There's too much history. But maybe she thinks she can go along with it and make a different choice later on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty fair uh, assumption of everything. Yeah, I, I guess I, I see what you're saying about her thinking she could probably end it right there. Uh, but as we all know, once Hannibal opens up his mouth, he's yeah. a, he's got a silver tongue. You give him the chance to talk, and you're already lost. <laughs> yeah, and she should have known that. That's 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 the thing that's almost irritating because you feel like she's known Lecter for so long. You don't give him the chance to talk himself out of the situation he's in. Yeah. You just you pull that trigger. Rule number one. Yes. Rule number one, you see Hannibal Lecter, you pick up a gun, you just shoot. You don't yeah. engage in conversation. That's that's the rule I would live by, personally. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just keep moving along, and we're going to kind of move up uh, to what is the very beginning of the show in the recent past. So this is Hannibal riding his motorcycle. It's the opening... Uh, portion of the episode, we see, you know, these really excellent shots of him kind of riding through Paris and 
shots of the motorcycle and, you know, kind of rules up and, you know, takes his helmet off. And, oh, Hannibal Lecter. And, <laughs> of course. And so he kind of strolls into the party. And, and this is interesting to me in a way because, well, for one thing, and, I, and I'll be honest, not that it, it, it didn't, you, you know, it, I didn't look at it as a bad thing, but I thought, wow, Hannibal Lecter on a motorcycle, never thought, you know, just an interesting conversation. Yes, it does. But, you know, he, he takes his helmet off and he goes into this party and it's almost a little disconcerting because, you know, he's not wearing a tux, he's not wearing a suit, he, he's kind of wearing a motorcycle outfit. Hey, it's a very luxurious, very nice <laughs> yeah. motorcycle outfit. Trust me, it probably costs more than I make in, like, three months. A year. But, or a year. <laughs> but, but it... At the same time, I'm like, wow, you know, he's 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 dressed nice for what he's in, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he's not dressed for a high society party. For once, he's not the fanciest in the room. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but he gets in there, and, and he's kind of glancing around, and that's when he meets Anthony Dimon. Yeah. So, now, the first thing I thought, and I think it's the first thing Elector thought is, this guy's rude. He's staring at me. He's staring, but it's, it's more than that. He first thing he basically does when he opens his mouth is he talks about somebody behind their back. Yeah. And that's not. I mean, even if Lecter agrees, that's still not something that that you do. It's um, not an opening line. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so right from the get go, you could tell he's being rude, and Lecter is, you know, irritated already at this guy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what did you think about that scene there, kind of, you know, meeting uh, Dimond, you know, seeing the real Dr. Fell, um, and all of that? Um, well, just a rewinding a tad, um, the music in the very opening scene, they just seem to amp it up a notch. It's like, it's all the weird musical instruments we've been hearing for the last two seasons turned up majorly. I thought it was a great opening. It was, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I'm, it's the strangest music I've ever heard, but it's just so perfect for this show. I'm, I don't even know what they use. They have to use like really weird things to make those noises, but they really work for the show. <laughs> um, his interaction with Anthony, uh, <laughs> I kind of thought Anthony, like maybe I'm right, but he kind of like he was checking Hannibal out when he came in. Oh, I, I agree. He kind of okay. gave him this sly, sidelong glance. Yeah. I'm like... Like, oh boy, maybe I... I feel a... creeped out right from the get-go. <laughs> well, it's just, you almost feel like like he's sizing up his hopeful next conquest. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I got this yeah, this very sexual attraction thing from, like, the, the word go. Yeah, majorly. And I felt really... You know, put off by his staring Hannibal. I'm sure Hannibal did too. He's like, seriously, I can't even kill a person without being checked out. <laughs> <laughs> this is so annoying. <laughs> Damn, you're up. <laughs> yeah, and um, I really thought, uh, I think I, I mentioned this last time, that the Dr. Fell really looked like David Bowie when he walked in. I was like, again, I'm like, oh my god, I wish. <laughs> Well, you, you know what? From the side. Don't give up hope. We I know. Yeah, you know, but I understand what you're saying, and I agree. When I saw that scene, yes, I, I could see definitely how you would initially think, "Oh boy, that's David Bowie." 
And then be it's like, I know you're tricking me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we get to say, hello, Dr. Fell. Hello, Mrs. Fell. Goodbye, Dr. Fell and Mrs. Fell. Like, yes. just like that. Yes, uh, very, very short speaking parts. Uh, well, actually, I think the wife didn't get any lines, nope. right? Nope. Just kind of walked in, looked aghast, and that was it. Yes, well, she was dessert, right? Yep. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, yeah, she, yeah. Like, like, oh, man. Yeah, there goes another innocent. I had a long day, and I have to deal with this now. Uh, yeah. Like, well, why are you really interrupting my dinner? I'm only, <laughs> I'm only having your husband's liver. This is my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my house now. <laughs> oh. um, okay, so that's, you know, obviously that intro was very short. Uh, just kind of got us into the episode. And what really makes up the crux of a lar- large portion of this episode is present present day. And from Paris, uh, Bedelia and Hannibal move on to Florence. Yep, Florence, just Italy. like that. Yeah, boom. This is, you know, what, uh, a few months ahead, you know, four or five months ahead. Well, it's long enough ahead in time that they've managed to already begin to insinuate themselves into this uh, society in Florence. Yep. Uh, well, well, they're you know getting their way into the society, but but then you get that guy. Well, he won't be alive much longer. But you get the guy who calls Hannibal um, because he's not a true Italian, native Italian, but <sighs> that he basically is not worthy of uh, you know reciting Dante, da da da, the knowledge of Dante, and that he doesn't have the knowledge that he needs to have, and so then Lecter. It initially looks defeated, and I really love that. I love that little game that Lecter plays right there. Yep. Um, now, let me back this up just a little bit, because before he gets into that, he and Bedelia kind of opens up the shot with them dancing on this floor. It was very so beautiful. magical. <laughs> you know, it's like they're dancing, and there's a lot of couples around dancing, and they look fantastic, and the scene is fantastic, and the music is brilliant. And yeah. So they get done dancing, and then, you know, Lecter's kind of... You know, in Bedelia are talking to all these other high society members, and that's when this guy comes up and basically just accuses Lecter of being basically a moron. Straight from the book, too, word for word. Yeah, which was nice. Um, And so Lecter initially looks defeated, and I love that. Like I was saying, there's this this little game where it almost looks like you've just called my bluff, you've won. And then when the guy basically has a smirk on his face, turns around to walk away, that's when Lecter starts speaking in fluent Italian and, well, puts the guy (laughs) – basically puts the guy in his place, you know. Puts you in a corner. (laughs) Exactly. And obviously at this point, Lecter is Dr. Fell. Yep. So um, if you'd like to add on to that, go ahead. Did you look up um, the sonnet he was speaking in Italian? No, I did not. But I knew that you would be someone who would know. So, go <laughs> yeah, ahead. I looked it up. Um, just read it. In English, it's joyous love seemed to me the while he held my heart within his hands and in his arms my lady lay asleep wrapped in a veil. He woke her then in trembling and obedient. She ate that burning heart out of his hand. Weeping, I saw him then depart from me, which I really liked because in the book, you also know that when Will catches Hannibal, Hannibal wants to eat his heart. Yes. Definitely. So I thought that was cool. 
No, um, I did not know that that was the translation, but I like it a lot as well. That's really cool. I, I didn't even think about looking that translation up, so kudos to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was very pretty. Um, I want to I read more of that. I mean, it sounds really beautiful. Yeah, well. Dark imagery, but... <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, Dante, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, not exactly talking about uh, sunshine. Light comics. reading. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so they kind of, they, you know, they finish kind of that all up. And then we have Bedelia, you know, they're at home and they're talking about, um, well, she comments on the fact that the lector is more interested in making appearances than keeping up appearances these days. Yeah, more than, like, drawing attention to himself. Yes, it's not, you know, and you can tell, and she, it's it's very true. You, the lector that you're seeing is, is, like, the veneer has been stripped away, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you're seeing, you know, obviously you're not, you're not seeing the monster, is, no. you know, but you're seeing more of the real Hannibal than you were in the last two seasons. You know, when he had to keep up his guard all the time. Everybody yeah. that he knew, all the friends, all the patients, everyone, he had to keep that up constantly. And it's almost like there's a relief about he can be just himself. And I think that has something to do with the culture, the place that he's at. It's, it's, it's Florence, Italy. Uh, he's in a place where his tastes and music and literature and food and all of that, um, they jive with the exception of food with everybody else. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's a parallel here again. Um, Bedelia trying to you know, shield them from any danger and having trying to get him to tone down his um, oh, whimsy. <laughs> I guess that would be a good word to use. Um, and she tried to do that when she was still his therapist and he was drawing them in closer to his game. Yes. And when he, um, he was trying to get her to sign, oh, I don't know what it was, but saying that she can talk about him to the FBI or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was a parallel to that scene again. No, you're probably right. And I like how they do that in this show. It's like they're so aware of everything that's come before that they're, it's like, it's so easy for them to, be able to pick out moments and parallel them. Yeah, you know? and have it work. It, it's a callback, but it's it's and that's one of the great things about this show. They they do so much of what they do is with such subtlety. It's like it's like a painting, right? Where these very light, light or very light uh, brush strokes that you really have to look closely to see that they're actually there, because all you see is the beautiful painting. Yeah, and it's one thing when you can watch it over and over again and notice something new every single time. Yeah, because everything is so layered. It's like an onion. Yeah. It's it's just, that's, it's a, the, well, we'll get into it later, but the, the, the level of craftsmanship on this show, the, the detail that goes into it is just astonishing. It's It tells you how rare of a breed this show is because if they, they take every little aspect of the show and in as much detail as it's paid to the big things they do to the small things and that makes all the difference yeah and they don't they don't want to water it down they trust that their audience is going 
you know, to be able to follow everything that they put on there. They don't try to gloss over anything. If they think they want to draw a parallel from episode one to season three, they're going to do it yes. <laughs> and expect us to be able to see it as well. Yes, yes, exactly. And that, that doesn't – it allows us to see that and appreciate it and it's not dumbed down. And yeah. they don't expect us to um, to allow them to let the show be dumbed down. Yeah, which is just wonderful for them to do. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll kind of move a little bit uh, forward here. And Bedelia, they get back home and... You know they have this. They have that conversation about you know about him more interested in making appearances than keeping up appearances, and they talk about you know um, Hannibal's Hannibal's um, Hannibal's um, desire for aesthetics over ethics. Yeah. These days, you know he's more he's more enthralled and uh, and worried about all the aesthetic pleasures in his life, everything around him that he wants and needs there to be perfect, and the rules of the game that he used to play by are a lot less important these days. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to follow those lines anymore to get what he wants. Yeah, because, you know, we're not talking about moral, like the ethics of morality or anything like that. It's, it's not so much about that because obviously we know that with Hannibal, morals uh, don't really mean anything. It's it's there are certain rules of ethics that he lives by, uh, codes of conduct that are important to him, and they are to a degree, but they're less important now. He's more worried about where he wants to be in his life, what place he wants to live in. The, the people he surrounds himself with, the parties he goes to, all of those are now of so much more importance than they ever were before. Yes. He finally gets to um, live out exactly how he's wanted to. The uh, It was a line from when he was talking to Gideon, his own fairy tale. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. I love that line. Fa- yes, the fairy tale. Yes. There's quite a few fairy tale um, alignments with it as well, but it's... Later on in the story, I'll mention them. Okay, sure. Um, but there's this really great scene where, you know, they, they kind of have that chat, and Bedelia takes off her clothes or her shirt, <laughs> and Lecter kind of looks at her for a second and leaves. And she's in the tub, and she's kind of staring at the camera, and you can tell in that moment she is so way over her head. I mean, she's in way over her head. I mean, it, it's – and obviously the, the water – well, the chalky gray blackness water that she's currently soaking in. Um, it's like the ink water that Alana – Alana was in last yeah. season, which was great. And I love that image then, and I love this image now. Yeah, it's beautiful. And she's staring at the camera, and you can just tell. You can see the stark fear in her, in her eyes. I mean, it's, it's not hidden at all. She is terrified of where she's at. And, and the camera is kind of behind her when you see her initially. And I really thought that that was on purpose. Like Hannibal could, Hannibal could be standing right there. You know? like maybe Always watching. Yes, maybe he's standing right there. Maybe he's going to come up behind her and slit her throat. 
you know, like it's but, never but, safe. But would you be surprised? No. <laughs> so I, I really, I, it, it's that level of fear and dread that pervades the show. Obviously, on a week-to-week basis, but in this episode, I mean, the fear and paranoia, and and just the stark, just mind-numbing agony of her existence of where she's at and it's like she's staring at the camera and she's like where am i at how did i how the hell did i get myself here what do i how did i go this far yes how did i how did i come with hannibal thinking that this, this would be okay that i could that i could do this that i could manage to to keep myself at arm's length like that's never gonna work yeah, I thought this was a means to an end, but now I'm just lost. Yes. Far more. You know, and I thought nobody could get more lost than Alana, that, for Alana from last season. This is by choice with a full knowledge of what and who Hannibal is. That yeah. makes it a far more deeper uh, abyss that Bedelia's in than Alana was ever in. Because that was very on the surface. You know, you were annoyed last season when Alana was like, just... Why can't you get it? Why can't you see the monster? But that's that's one thing to get lost in that abyss, which is very shallow, right? But this is this is in, in, and it was actually summed up perfectly in that scene because Alana sinks down into the water and she gets covered in this this silvery, gray, goopy stuff, and the camera so you see her falling in this abyss of water, and it. it well, you can't, you can't, you can't do it more justice than the imagery that you see on the show. Yeah, that scene was just beautiful. And she's just, she thinks she's got control, but she knows she's in too deep. Yeah, she definitely is in too deep, and it's something that we'll continue to see as this uh, portion of the episode plays out. So. Um, so we kind of we kind of move along a bit, and we have Lecter. Um, he's kind of doing his thing uh, at the college, and then he comes out, and who does he run into? Uh, Anthony. Anthony Dim. Uh, yeah, Anthony Dimond. And guess what? He's like, oh, I just came around the corner, and there you were. So, <laughs> I'm not uh, stalking you. Of course, of course not. Uh, you know, but Lecter invites him over for dinner. We'd love to have you over for dinner. <laughs> I yes. bet you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they they we kind of have this scene where they're sitting around and they're eating acorns and they're eating oysters and you just you just look and you're like, when's it gonna happen? And and, yep. I, and I love how he comments. Uh, uh, Anthony comments on how this is what the Romans fed to their animals to make them taste better I thought that was <laughs> and you can see Bedelia she's putting an oyster into her mouth and her hand is shaking she knows yeah she knows and then she's and I remember her, him uh, asking like why she isn't eating any meat and I love her line she says I'm not trying to eat any I'm not currently eating anything with a nervous system <laughs> <laughs> which I loved I love that was a fantastic line from her and um the line, uh, what did he say? Uh, she's like, um, my husband has a very sophisticated palate, and he wants me to taste a certain way or something like that. And he's like, oh, it's that kind of party. She's like, no, it's not that kind of party. <laughs> she's literally like, 
looks at Hannibal. You tell him no. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You're like, no, not that kind of party. Not at all. Not even close. <laughs> it's um, a dinner party and you were a dinner. <laughs> yes. And and he's like, oh, shame. <laughs> like, trust me. You, you, you know what? You just, like, get out of here as quickly as possible. And Don't was, put your body yeah. parts near that. <laughs> yes. And I was really surprised that he managed to, to live. I thought that was – I thought he was dead. I really didn't see that um, it coming because – I thought the show would take that opportunity to kill him off really quick and allow maybe some other scenes with Bedelia and Hannibal to kind of dominate the the, the last ten, you know, twelve minutes or so. But but he he leaves. Yeah, and Hannibal lets him leave just to test and push Bedelia. Yes, it's it's all psychological. It's all to see yep. where she's willing to go and where she's not willing to go. Mm-hmm. Um. So, he but he invites her. He invite, invites uh, Anthony before he leaves to a lecture. Is that correct? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, he lets him know when the lecture is going to be and where it's going to be. Yeah, and we kind of jump to that after he leaves, and you know, they're in this room. There's a lot of people around, and so Lecter's up there giving his lecture on Dante, and I love how the image that lays yeah. over Lecter's face is the devil. Yep. <laughs> and, and just Bedelia's face, like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like, well, gee, thank you for uh, not putting too fine a point on it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it obvious or anything. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it, it was, uh, and then, you know, Lecter's standing is, so Anthony comes in, and obviously in that moment, he knows it's not, it, Dr. Fell, you know, mm-hmm. is not alive, and it, it that uh, Lecter is, in fact, uh, posing as Dr. Fell. But then, as Lecter's standing there, you know, kind of giving his speech, he's talking about betrayal and staring basically right at Bedelia's face as he's talking about betrayal. And you can see the, f- the fear in her face. Like, it is full-on fear. Like, he knows. And it's something that I, and I have to go back a little bit because there's something that we haven't been talking about, but it's something, it's definitely something that needs to be mentioned. Um, among all the stuff that we've been talking about in this episode, there were scenes where Bedelia was walking through Florence, which, by the way, is absolutely gorgeous. I know. Unbelievable. Wa- she's walking down this this street, and the, and the architecture around her is all, like, from way back when, and it just, I, I want to be there right now. That kind like- of... Oh. Where she was walking, I've looked on Google Maps just to admire it. Oh. It's beautiful. It is phenomenal scenery. If you, yeah, you know, if you watch the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, you know, she walks this like the same path every day. She goes in to visit the same shop. She goes in, she gets wine, and she goes in. She goes and she sits down in the train station, right in front of the CCD, CCTV cameras. Yeah. And, and she looks over at the cameras, and you're thinking. Why are you doing this? And then it clicked. She wants to be remembered. She goes into the same shops every day because the person in there is going to remember her face. Yeah. It's some you know she's not invisible, and she talks to Hannibal about um, about you know making appearances rather than maintaining appearances and staying hidden, whereas she does the exact opposite. You know, or, I mean she's she's not staying hidden at all she wants to be seen because this is her only chance 
to to possibly be found. She can't yeah. she can't leave by herself. She's in so deep now. She can't just get up and walk out. She knows that she'll never escape. This is her only way to hopefully be seen by somebody. Yeah, it's like the videotape in the movie Hannibal where um, Hannibal's in the perfume shop and he gets that's how they find him. She's making herself known on video cameras, so hopefully the FBI will find her. Exactly, and, that, and that's what I was thinking, too, that that was a way in which someone looking at that camera is like, this lady's looking kind of odd. I think might recognize her. Boom, wait, that's Bedelia. Oh, that's where Hannibal's at. Yes. Exactly. So, and I thought about that, too, and, and that was just an interesting, and that, that's what comes down to betrayal, because Lecter knows. He's staring at her. He's talking about betrayal. He knows full well that she's been walking the same route every day. Maybe he even knows that she's been sitting in front of these CCTV cameras. There's something. Or if he doesn't know exactly what, he knows she's been up to something. Yeah. So he's talking about betrayal. It's freaking her out. And what does she do? She leaves. Like, Lecter looks over after introducing Anthony, like letting him come into the lecture, and looks back over, and she's gone. Yeah. And she's Fast as she can go. She is running down the steps. You know, and back to the flat, and the lecture's over. He and Anthony kind of walk around and kind of have this conversation. Anthony says, you know, I know that you're basically, you're not Dr. Fell, uh, but you know what? Nobody liked him anyway, so I'm certainly fine with you continuing to to do this, da-da-da. And Lecter, you know, invites him back to the flat. Bad mistake for that kid. Yes. (laughs) Yes, so they come back, go in the door, and, and at this moment, Bedelia is like two seconds away from getting out of there. I know, I'm like, she was at the door, she nearly got away. And Lecter comes in with Anthony, and all of a sudden, Lecter takes that you know, chunk of statue, that marble, and... Crap. Bam! <laughs> there goes, there goes, uh, well, yeah, well, he's not dead, but he will be. And it's just crawling across the floor. Exactly. And Lecter asks Bedelia if she's going to help, if she's going to participate, and she just says she's going to watch. And it's a chance for her to be included, to take a step further, further forward in her supposed process of becoming, at least in Lecter's mind, what she's truly meant to be. Yes. And she resists. Mm-hmm. It's and, not for her. No. And so Lecter walks up, snaps his neck, and it's over. <laughs> the most gruesome next noises. They're <laughs> just so loud. Just pop, pop, pop. And it just wigs me the right out. Yeah. Well, it is creepy. And he, it's just, boom, gone. It's, yep. it's over. And, yeah. So we kind of, and, that, and that's really pretty much the end of the episode. And... You know, we we get obviously the preview for next week, but that's that really kind of makes up the the episode right there. Yeah. And I, I did have some talking points about the episode. Um, so one of the biggest themes that ran through this episode, probably the main crux of the entire thing, is the difference between participating and watching, which is what Hannibal was talking to Bedelia about, especially in that scene with with that death scene with, with uh, Anthony Dimon, because 
what he was t- asking her, well, he asked her if she was going to participate or not, and she said she's rather she's just going to watch. But what he was trying to get a, his point across to her in the in the scene was that at some point there's no difference between participating and watching. If you're standing there letting this happen, then you're actually participating in this, especially if you're doing it psychologically. Yeah, and you're still a participant. Yes, it's like if you're standing there on the street watching somebody get mugged, right? Yeah, you're, you're you do nothing. You are a participant if you don't do anything. Okay? Yeah. So in, in in this sense, that's kind of what he's been trying to get across to her this entire episode is is at some point you have to decide what you're going to do because standing there and doing nothing and actually helping me are in a lot of ways the exact same thing. So you're really responsible for his death as is whether you get your hands bloody or not. Yeah. We forgot a scene though, um the very end when Hannibal's on the train. Oh yes. Go ahead and, and recap that scene for us. Okay, um Hannibal's on the train and he's got a sheet of paper he's folding into like a medical heart shape and we go into the church that Brian Fuller has tweeted endlessly about, and we see a skinned torso. I have no idea whose torso that is, what it means, why Hannibal's alone, but that's how we end the episode. You don't think that's Anthony Demons' uh, torso that's been skinned and reconfigured to be a heart? Uh, do you think that's him? Like, I'm... I get the feeling that this... Well, it could be Dr. Fell, too. Yeah, I get the feeling that this, this the ending is further down the line. That it hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen for a few episodes. Or do you think it's... He's left Bedelia and he's done something else? I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure. I... I just think it's Hannibal having come back from putting it in there. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe you're right. I don't think it's her. I, I don't think he's left Bedelia because that that he that would be more final. Well, she would. Yeah, be, I didn't she, think about. Yeah. She would be dead for one thing. If if he was going <laughs> to leave her, she won't. He won't leave her alive. Yeah. And certainly not Bedelia's. You know, skinned corpses. I'm pretty sure. No. So yeah, it's either it's either a Dr. Fell or it's uh, Anthony. Mm. So. Yeah, I forgot that they also show it in the preview for next episode too. So it's, yeah. you're probably right. He's probably coming back from doing that. And that was a nice little present left for Will Graham. <laughs> his so, broken heart. Yeah, his broken heart. So, yeah, so I completely forgot Somebody broken. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you, know, you deserve something more than just your heart broken. But anyway, um, yeah, so anyway, that that was a big theme there, like I said, with participating and watching, and, and is yeah. there a difference? So there was that. Um, I really love the nonlinear uh, editing that was done for this for this episode. I, I know why they, they had us flipping back and forth between so many timelines, because it was necessary in order to avoid a lot of... Because if they didn't do it this way, then it would have taken three episodes to get to present day. Yeah. You had to speed it up a little bit. So rather than have like the first episode be them in 
in, in Paris, and then the thir- second episode would be them finally getting to Florence, and then the third episode will jump ahead a little bit, and they've been there for a while. That's three episodes that doesn't that don't need that kind of attention. So yeah. this was the way it needed to be done. I don't expect this to be uh, common, um, but I do really like it. It gave the series, you know, and just this episode in general, a, a certain flair and a certain flavor, which is just different from any other episode that we've watched so far. Yeah. I think it'll be a one-time thing, but it definitely worked for where we needed to get to. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I I found this episode to be brilliant, uh, captivating. I loved the interplay between Bedelia and Hannibal. I thought that even though Will Graham isn't there, I was so enthralled by everything that I was watching, which is a testament to both... Well, it's a testament to everything. It's a testament to the writers. Uh, it's a testament to um, the actors and obviously uh, Gillian Anderson and uh, Mads Mikkelsen do, I think, phenomenal work here. And, you know, we say that a lot. We say, oh, you know, Mads Mikkelsen was so amazing in this episode. So you feel like you just say it over and over again. But it deserves to be said, though. Yeah, he deserves to be credited every single time. He does amazing work being Hannibal. Because, and, and this is for people that watch it, if you think it's easier to be restrained like Mads Mikkelsen is in his acting and his performance, you're completely wrong. It's easy to be very demonstrative and to be very, you know kind of over the top and and, and this isn't against Anthony Hopkins in any way don't get me wrong his Hannibal Lecter um, especially in Silence of the Lambs is just a phenomenal piece of acting he deserves to win the best um, Oscar actor Oscar for for the performance but this this version of Lecter is someone who can convey as much in a glance and a muscle twitch of his face than most actors will be able to do uh, with, with so much more. And, yeah. Yeah. I've literally, <laughs> I've tried it myself, just standing in the mirror and trying to just move little muscles to convey something, and I cannot do it at all. It takes an astounding amount of discipline, uh, obviously work. I mean, these people work extensively with acting coaches, and, and they have over the years uh, to get as good as they do. This isn't all just natural ability. It's to be applauded what he's doing, and and uh, Gillian Anderson is just. Uh, I've I think she's one of the best you know actors that that are alive today, male or female, and I don't think she gets nearly as much credit for her performances. Uh, if you really like her in this show, I really 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 implore you to go watch The Fall. I watched the first episode, and I am so hooked. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. It is. It, and I know some people that will watch that and go, wow, another serial killer show? Trust me. I know I know that it seems like there's such a proliferation of, of this. Sh- but I will tell you this. That series is good. That series is real good. And it, it the reason it's so good, and, and I'm kind of jumping off on a tangent here, but I, just, I need to mention this because... 
it's it's an episode or it's a show where we're not searching for a killer that we don't know. You know who the killer is within, I believe, the first five minutes or so of the show, if not earlier. So it, it follows, it gives equal attention to both the killer and her. And it is phenomenal. It's a, just an amazing, it's amazing acting. Because her character in Bedelia and her character on that show, they have some slight similarities. There are certain aspects of their personality which are very similar, but they are entirely different people. And so she needs to be applauded for the work she does um, because she's fantastic too. Anyway, so yes, so The Fall is a really good show. Give it a chance. I think you'll like it. You said you already like it so far, right? Yeah, and um, I didn't know who the guy was going to be, and I had seen Fifty Shades before this, and I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy. Uh, (laughs) I have a way different view of you, but now it's like, you are so fucking creepy in this. He is amazing. It's really a fantastic performance by him. It's great. It really is. Yeah, I have to binge watch the whole thing sometime soon. <laughs> yes, definitely get down to because you're not going to be disappointed at all. <laughs> well, anything with Gillian Anderson. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's it's a very high quality show, so um, it's not worth uh, you know thinking that it's just going to be a retread of another serial killer show. It, it definitely takes it to a different angle, and it's it's really good for it. Nice. And I heard she had a hand in writing it too, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Her input was her input was definitely used for the show, for the script and everything. Yeah. Nice. So. But, That's um, cool. Yeah. So anyway, with kind of jumping back, I guess into what this is about, which is Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal <laughs> World. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it this this episode was uh, I just think exceptional quality, and I feel like just because it didn't involve some of the other main characters doesn't mean really anything because it allowed to concentrate and really give us uh, an ability to look at Hannibal extended because it wasn't connected to Will Graham at the moment. And we saw as much in his character in this episode than we have probably in two seasons. Yeah, it held its own very well. So and, and look the the name of the episode is antipasto which is an appetizer. Yep. So just the beginning. It's just the beginning, and uh, I'm def- I'm so excited for it. I, I'm just uh, I can't I can't wait till next week's, next week's episode. I really can't. I uh, have the preview. I wrote a lot about the preview. <laughs> uh, there it sure. looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I looked at the preview. It looks phenomenal. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't. I guess we probably should hold off on really talking too much about it. I think just okay. because, um, yeah, that way in case someone doesn't want to be spoiled by anything. True. So, um, but you and I get to chat about it once we get done with this. So. Gotcha. So, but no, I definitely give this. Uh, I give this episode a solid A. I really oh, do. Yeah. It's, ten it's, out of ten. Yeah, it's a fantastic episode. It's a great way to start the season. Um, I mentioned in another portion of my podcast here that uh, what I've been hearing from uh, places that outlets that have been given the opportunity to do uh, watch the first three episodes of the season, they're already saying this could be the best season yet. Yeah, I hope it gets some awards this season round because this show really deserves recognition. Oh, 
from so many uh, from the writing, the acting, up the set design. Everything. The set, the set design alone deserves a category. The food design. Yes, yes, the food designer. They, they, I mean, they need to, to just go whole hog on the show and give it the give it the awards it deserves. Give it everything. Uh, yes, because it deserves it. It really does. Yeah. It's not a joke. It really Truly. Does. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, I think that looks like that is going to be our review this week. Um, I mean, we've, we've only got, what, six days left until the next episode. Yeah, thank goodness. So um, it's not a long wait. So um, I, I just I want to thank uh, Sarah for coming on here and actually taking the time out of her day to kind of chat about Hannibal. I know it's not like it was a big imposition because, you know, we're talking about Hannibal. Right. I can talk about it endlessly. Yeah, so it, it's it's something that uh, I'm very appreciative because it, it's great to have somebody to talk to you a little bit on here and uh, kind of throw my ideas against the wall and have somebody actually stand there and comment with me on those ideas as I threw them against the wall. <laughs> so um, Get them to go back and reverberate to you. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. So, yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on here. It was it was fantastic. I had a great time uh, reviewing right. this episode with you. And uh, certainly, if you're up for doing it again, I'm sure you'll be on uh, more often. Anytime. All right. All right. So uh, after this, we're going to kind of move right into the um, the final word segment of the podcast. Uh, I haven't received any feedback this week. Uh, not surprising, first week back, and we haven't had an episode in quite a while, so I think people are probably just uh, like, oh, wait, there is a podcast that I listen to. <laughs> this. So uh, no worries, uh, but, yeah, if you feel like you want to send in some some feedback, feel free. Um, I will read it. I will – it's a voicemail. I'll throw it on here. Uh, but, you know, feedback uh, definitely is appreciative, and if you feel like doing it, certainly, but uh, it's not required. If you just want to sit and listen to the episode, you're more than uh, welcome to do that. So, all right, so we're going to move into this uh, next segment uh, right now. Okay, so we're here for the final word segment of the podcast. And uh, for anybody that for some reason isn't familiar with what the final word portion of this is, it's my chance to really kind of pick a subject and run with it. Now, the rules are kind of vague here because I, I really want it to be that way. In all reality, I can kind of pick anything. A lot of times it's going to be about Hannibal. Maybe it's something that I saw in the episode or um, whatever. It, it could be anything to do with entertainment. I, I could pick anything, really. And it's just a way for me to kind of sound off on something. And hopefully it allows you to become engaged in some way maybe not in a way you were expecting. So just be aware that from week to week, this could really be anything, okay? And I kind of like it like that. It gives me a chance to throw a, in kind of a wild card into the into the deck here. But this week, you know, there isn't going to be any crazy thing here. I just kind of want to expound a little bit on, on Hannibal itself and talk a bit about why we should be grateful that this show exists. Now, most people know this is the golden age of TV. That's what people have been talking about for a number of years. We've had this extended 
golden age. Now, some people split it up into two kind of ages. I mean, we have what some people call the first golden age, which was around 1999 to about 2006-ish, that kind of time frame. And, and the second golden age is from 2007 to present. And that's fine. It, it it doesn't really matter. You can call it one big golden age. That's kind of what I do. I really don't split it up. But it's certainly the quality and the amount of shows that have come out in the last 10 years or so is something pretty crazy and amazing and wonderful because we're seeing shows that are pushing the boundaries of what you can do, what you can have a show about. And Hannibal, I think is in the upper tier, uh, the very upper tier of shows that are really, really doing something different. You know, we have great shows out there like you know, Game of Thrones, Transparent. If you haven't seen Transparent, that's a really um, great show. It really tackles a subject that a lot of people are uncomfortable with and uh, but does so with sensitive, sensitive writing and exceptional acting. But... Hannibal is a show that pushes boundaries and it's on network television, which is pretty amazing because this show shouldn't even exist. Okay. It really shouldn't, but it does exist. Okay. And it's doing things that other shows would never even attempt to do. I mean, we're talking about metaphors um, themes, imagery that other shows just wouldn't dare to try, even if they have subject matter which would lend itself to doing something like this, okay? But other shows, they don't want to try this because it, it's scary. It really is. You think, oh, well, this would be fantastic. Every show should do this. No, some shows can't because they just don't have the kind of material that would lend itself to being done the way the imagery and the uh, the dreams, the dreamlike uh, feeling that the Hannib- that pervades Hannibal, it just it's kind of the perfect mix between style style and material. But we need to be really, really grateful that this show exists because shows fail so often. All right. Yes. Gone are the days where uh, shows get 30, 35 million viewers a week back when it was just kind of like the big four networks um, that were out there. You can get that, you know, back in the in the 90s, in the you know, 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you could get shows that would pull in that many viewers. It doesn't exist anymore. There are so many more networks, uh, so many more avenues for shows uh, online. Uh it's just there's so many. There's such a glut, actually, um, that getting, you know, 10 million viewers, 12 million viewers is considered really, really great these days. Hannibal is a fairly blurred show. The subject matter, the way it's done, it just is. But there's no no bones about it. This This show, in terms of the artistic achievement the writing, the acting, everything that a show should aim to be. And I'm not talking about the subject matter. Uh, I'm talking about 
the level of craftsmanship, craftsmanship sorry the level of craftsmanship that this show achieves every week is it's just excellent it really is and it's really hard to do that it really is so the next time you sit down to watch an episode of Hannibal if you have a chance to go back and watch it for a second time do so and instead of focusing so much on what happens look at the details that bleed on the edges of the camera. Look at all the details that they work so hard to put into the into the show, which are only there for a second. There's so much dedication on this show from all the people involved to make it great. Because I think they know they're really they're really on to something with how they do this show. And if they can manage to sustain this level of quality for another another well, including this season, another three, three, what, three seasons after this, four, five, and six, which is when the show was probably going to end, which they say that's the, the written ending. If the show manages to last that long, boy, this could be one of those shows that when people talk about great television, all-time greatest shows, this show could be sitting well up there, and it would deserve to be up there because it's just that great. So... Let's be thankful, watching this premiere, that this show exists, that we have something that we can sit down and watch every week for 13 weeks and come away blown away by everything that's involved in making a great show. Because I certainly am, and I hope you are too. Okay, so that's it for the final word segment of the podcast. I... uh I'm excited. <laughs> what what else do you want me to say? I, I'm I'm completely, completely jazzed at what I've seen so far this year. One episode, I know, but I'm I'm so jazzed, and I'm just really excited for the next episode to roll in because I can't wait to watch it, and I can't wait to come back and talk to you guys. And send me in some feedback, okay? Send me an email. Okay, send me a voicemail. If you want to send me an email or a voicemail, it's simple. Just send it to hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. Just one word, hungryforhannibal. And and that's it. And, you know, so send me, you know, if you have a question, if you have a point of view, whatever it might be, send it to me. It will go into the podcast. I don't care if I have 20 emails. They will go into the podcast. Nobody gets cut out. Um, I will read the email. I will respond. I won't. I'll provide a hopefully a, a decent length answer. So, you know, so you're rewarded for the time that you spent creating the email, sending it in to me. If you send a voicemail in, I'll play it on here. And the same thing. I'll try to give you uh, hopefully a well thought out um, answer to your questions or your points of view. So that's it. Hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. And I really hope that you guys send in some stuff because I can sit and listen to myself talk. I can do that very easily, but it's not nearly as much fun as engaging you and you engaging me. So if I can get some other other people to kind of interact with me uh, through voicemail and email, stuff like that, then I will be able to, I feel like, create a better 
podcast just because more people sending stuff in gives other points of view than my own. And trust me, my point of view is not the only one that matters and it's certainly not always the right one. So hopefully I'll be able to hear from you guys soon. Send me in some stuff. I can't wait. But either way, I'm really excited. So I'm out. Everybody have a good week. I'll see you next time. Hopefully you'll be hungry for more Hannibal. I know I will. And hopefully a week from now, we'll be cheering on another great episode. Okay. Have a good day. <laughs>